Here's your host, Michael Ball. And we're back for another week of sports talk in Saskatchewan. This is the place to get it in this province from coast to coast, from border to border, from Sinaluta to Stoughton. We got you covered and everywhere in between. I don't know. What's the northernmost point in this province? I don't know what it would be. What's that one? Uh, oh, that was me. Oh, ballsy. That was me. The week squeaky. That was me. Squeaky. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyways, North Uranium South, City. Uranium City to North Portal. We yes. got you covered, man. Yes, man. Coast to coast. And we got a great show. Now, in football, you get to the line of scrimmage, and uh, you got a play call, but then the defense does something, and you have to call an audible, or as Peyton Manning used to call, Omaha! Omaha! Yes. Kill the play. So, Luke is supposed to join us, but he's had a family thing come up, so he will not be here. We will still be joined by the coach, Craig Dickinson. Glenn Suter is going to join us between... Uh, 5.30 and 6 for his regular spot. And he's got some interesting stats about uh, scoring in the CFL. It's perceived it's going down and down and down, but uh, not according to Glenn Suter. I've also got our Monday mailbag, so we'll ask him some questions. Now, I was supposed to bring the crackers in, Zinger, for you to set the sports cage record for eating crackers in, in uh, 30 seconds. And this all stems from the lady that ate ni- 19 nuggets in a minute. Yeah, and she yeah. had uh, three pickled eggs in 7.9 seconds. So we thought we'd get you to set a sports cage record. Yeah. Not necessarily a Guinness record, but because uh, we had to call an audible, we'll push that to tomorrow. Do you okay? know what, Ballsy? I, I, I withdraw from the cracker eating competition. I withdraw from it. Why? I'm done. Why? I, I, I've come prepared two straight days. I can't, oh. I can't, I can't prep for another full night of of getting ready for this. It's too exhausting okay, I'll do on it. me. I'll do it tomorrow. Okay. I'll do it tomorrow. You tie me. I'll right, do it tomorrow. Man. I will set the sports cage record for eating crackers. I don't care. I don't need you. I'm I'll do soft. it myself. Yeah, I'd be soft. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> Typical young kid. Can't handle it. Can't handle it. Uh, yeah, so we're also going to hear from Isaac Simon. Who's he? He's the brother of Atlee Simon, former Ram Rider Stampeder. He won the... 5A Basketball Provincial Championship with the Harvest City Reapers. In fact, as Rob Vanstone put it in the paper, the Reapers were the sweepers. They also won it in the girls. So uh, we'll get to all the hoopla scores and all that type of thing. But the big uh, story from the weekend, Zinger, uh, Canada going to the World Cup of Soccer in Qatar. Or Qatar, I think is how you actually pronounce it, in 2022. They knocked off... Jamaica 4 nothing yesterday. They're now the 33rd ranked, uh, ranked team in the world. I believe we are now a football powerhouse. We are a fo- <laughs> well, we, we are we are among the elite 32 in the well, world. Well, we're a football country, man. We're a football country because our our women won the World Cup gold medal in Tokyo. We're off to the World Cup here. Uh, we got Alfonso Davies and a bunch of other guys playing in uh, Europe, so we're yeah. starting to come, man. And coming up this Friday, we're going to find out who Canada is going to be playing in the World Cup as, I know. The, as the group stage uh, or the groups are assembled. It's going to be four, uh, eight groups of four, yeah. which equals 32. So we're going to find out the other three teams in Canada's group, which is going to be kind of exciting. Who's it going to be like? like what if, is, is it like, going to be like America, Germany, and like... I saw a simulation and it pitted uh, Canada up against Spain, uh, Uruguay, and uh, some other country. That's going to kill us, probably. <laughs> but hey, if, if it's uh, Uruguay, Canada, mm-hmm. uh, we last beat Mexico t- in the States. So. La- last time we went to a World Cup, yeah, we, we played three games. We never got a goal. So I don't think that's going to happen. We'll probably win one game. Zinger, like, how do you feel about this? Everybody, like, 
I feel like I should be more excited than I am. I'm not a big soccer guy. It's not like I don't think they're talented. It's not like I don't think it's a good sport. Yeah. I just it's boring. I try to watch it. <laughs> well, it is boring. It's a it's a it, they call it the beautiful game. For tr- why? Why? Why do they call it beautiful? It's beautiful because What's so beautiful about all it? All you need is a ball. And your and your two feet. That's why it's played across the world. Because that doesn't even in, make it. That doesn't make it beautiful. It, it makes it boring. It's beautiful. And I've always been a big soccer fan. I Are went, you? I, I went to Germany. Uh, pr- that was eight years mm. ago now to watch uh, Bayern Munich. I watched some soccer games live there. So I've always been a big soccer fan. And I, I am very excited that Canada's in the World Cup. And I think it's kind of del- dialed back a bit because we've seen this coming now for a number of months. Like we mm. knew Canada was going to be in the World Cup. You know, did we? They, they would have to. Did have we? A, we did know that. Yeah, they would have to have a huge mm. letdown in these le- in these next couple of games, and so much would have to go against them from them for them not to make it in. So, like we knew going back, you know, probably a month. So or two answer ago me this. Answer me this. There, tips. Yeah. Answer me this. Uh, four nothing. That's like a blow. That's the yeah. equivalent of eleven nothing in hockey. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. four nothing. Okay, great. Four nil. Great. Four nil. Four, oh, sorry, nil. <laughs> yeah, and you got to have these names, nil. So four nil. Okay. Yeah. Um, why do we look at changing soccer every year because of its boredom, because of one nothing or two one? But every time something a little goes wrong with the CFL, we're blowing the whole thing up. But there's actually a lot of scoring right now going across the world of soccer. If you look at the English Premier League, the Bundesliga in Germany, La Liga in Spain, you look across yeah. the board, there's a lot of goals being scored right now. Like so, what, 2-1, 3-2? There's, there's a couple 4-2, 3-2 games. Mm. There's a couple five spots in there. Scoring's not a problem right now across the world of soccer. You know? I got a question for you, too, but being okay. a, just a casual soccer fan. Once again, I think it's a great – I think, like you said, you said it perfectly. Everybody can play it. And it's an affordable sport, which is good in this day and age. So I agree. But why don't they sell the magic water that they spray on everybody's knee when they get hurt and they're magically fixed? (laughs) Why don't they sell that like in Walmart or Costco? Why can't I walk into Costco and buy two pallets of soccer's magical water? It's like the Michael Jordan secret sauce in Space Jam or whatever it is. We should market that. I'm glad we're in it. I, I, I think maybe we'll win a game or two. Uh, we're probably not going to win the whole thing, but we are a football country, and it's we're good. We're not going to win the whole thing. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to win. Lucky if we get out of the group stage. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, uh, it's exciting. C- CFL cold day at the old uh, bubble there, where they were working out uh, with the one-on-ones and everything like that. Yesterday, I watched a lot of that. Um, I saw some nice things from Brandon Gandier, the uh, the corner for the uh, Regina uh, Rams. Yeah. Riley Borsma pulled his groin, so he didn't go in one-on-ones, but he tied Gavin Cobb for the highest vertical at 40.5. So he did well. Ryder Varga had a couple nice plays in one-on-one. Thought the Philpot boys, Tyson and Jalen, who are the uh, they are the sons of Corey Philpot, former Lion Ryder. He's a coach at the BCFC. I thought they were mediocre at best. They, had, uh, they, they only won collectively half of their routes. Uh, one of them made a nice one-handed catch, but they got beat on half their routes. And if you're supposed to be like two of the top picks in the draft, you can't get beat on half your routes. You can't have a global guy pick you off. So they okay. thought they could tippy-toe up in there and just walk over the competition is what I'm hearing. Dude, their verticals were atrocious. One guy jumped 30, one guy jumped 30.5. These are supposed to be elite receivers. One guy ran a... Uh, 
four six something, and the other guy ran a four five six. Those yeah. aren't fast forties. No, nobody cares about the testing. Oh, nobody cares, eh? Nobody, hey? nobody okay. cares okay. about it. Okay. Well, ask Coach Dickinson when he comes up. <laughs> Gavin Cobb of Manitoba. I thought he ran the best routes. He's the guy that came over to them last year from um, the. SFU football team. Okay, I got to get to this. Hold on. I got to find it. I got to find it because we know what day it is. It's Monday, right? And when it's Monday, what does that mean? Oh, it's the cornhole update. Absolutely. Uh, Friday night in Switch Holio for March 25th saw a night of the newcomers with lots of smiles and laughs all night long. The competition was tight in a Hard-fought battle for the championship. Jim the Ghost and Caesar took the crown. There was no ma- airmail hit this night, which means there will be a carryover of 790 bucks for the starting pot on Friday, April 1st, Ooh. April Fool's Day. Wow. Be sure to check out their social media at SAS Cornhole League for any updates. Anybody's encouraged to go down there, uh, down there the airmail zinger, you know what it is. Yeah. You just throw it right into the hole without hitting the sides. That's right. We should get like a sports cage limo to drive up to the station here, pick us up, and take us we're to the going, cornhole. Zinger, you and me, we are going to go in there and we are going to rock the cornhole. I'm going to walk over the competition. Are you kidding me? I'm amazing at that. Are you game. good? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you good? You're talking about a former gunslinger in high school here. I got the arm, yeah, but, I got the accuracy. Yeah, but you don't th- <laughs> you don't throw it over, and I think you, you spin it. It or you yeah, you should have seen me. Yeah, you, you were never see me play. So that's your cornhole update. Uh, we will get down there for a game. Problem is, I don't even know when it starts because you and I have a show till six thirty every Friday. It's true, man. And next Friday, we're gonna have to leave from the Brandt Center if we got to do it. But we could do it, maybe. One of these days we're going to be there. Maybe let's let, think, <laughs> let, let's let things calm down a bit okay, here when sure. we're less busy. Okay. <laughs> Deshaun Watson held his first news conference as a Cleveland Brown and went well. Of the 12 female reporters in the room, he only assaulted two. <laughs> That's pretty good for him. Yeah, hey, a, fire bro- a fire broke out. Did you see this at uh, the Raptors at- game? No, not at the Raptors. Did it break out of the Raptors game? A, the, fire? a speaker on the ceiling br- oh. started on fire, but I also saw the other fire, too. There's a lot of fires going off in the weekend. A fire broke out of the Denver Broncos stadium. Yeah. Now, this once happened, believe it or not, at the Jets stadium, but it was during a game and nobody was there, so everybody was fine. No, uh, yeah, they had a lot of damage there, too, I guess. What is it called now? It's like, is it still... It's at it's. It used to be in Vesco Field, Field. No, and then Vesco Stadium at Mile High Field or yeah, something. Yeah, but I, I did you see uh, one of the Toronto Raptors at the co- their color commentator over the weekend? He was trying to remember the name of Ron Burgundy. Call him Ron Jeremy. A- that and was, he called him. Ron. Yeah, <laughs> and then Devlin just lost his yes. mind. Yeah, that yeah. was amazing. I, yeah. I was I, I was even laughing last night when I saw that. Yeah, he called him uh, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> I met Ron Jeremy. He was at the radio station here one day. Oh wow. He is not a good looking guy. No. He's not. And he doesn't use deodorant. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Wow. Uh, Johnny Manziel said he'd like to return to his alma mater, Texas A&M, in some capacity. Only, though, if they pay him in bourbon. That's <laughs> the only way he's going. Yeah, he wants to go back and help coach there. Uh, let's talk a little March Madness, shall we? Oh, yeah, this is exciting, uh, man. Number 8, North Carolina defeated St. Peter's 69-49 to advance to the Final Four, where they're going to face Duke. Do you know... North Carolina and Duke have never yeah. played together I in, a, in, in a in a in a tournament. I didn't know that until I until I saw it this weekend. Like that's yeah. amazing. we're talking two of the most storied uh, college basketball franchises, yeah. and they're meeting for the first time. Hopefully, Coach K can. I'm cheering for him now. Oh, I, me too. I'm not a Duke guy, but I'm cheering. No, that's either, the Cinderella story right there. Yeah. Uh, so it's North Carolina, Kansas, Duke, and Villanova. 
Uh, I don't know. I hope Duke does it. Who knows? Uh, here's a rundown of the Regina medalists at Hoopla. Uh, 2A boys, Lavelle Lyons, uh, fourth place, lost the bronze medal game. 3A boys, Regina Christian School Grizzlies won the bronze medal game. 4A girls, the Harvest City Christian Academy Reapers won the gold medal. And the uh, 5A boys, it was Harvest City winning the gold medal. Campbell lost the gold medal game. Laboldis won the bronze. And in the 5A girls, Campbell Tartans won the gold medal. Riffle Royal won the bronze medal. So there you go. There's a little rundown there of some local sports. Uh, and we're going to talk to uh, Isaac, Isaac uh, Simon, pardon me. He is the brother of Atlee Simon and one of the stud basketball players for Harvest City. Uh, by the way, uh, Claire Hanna will join us all the way from the Bay Area today. She's covering. Ooh. She's the, covering the Elite Eight now into uh, okay. the Final Four. I don't know if she's going to the Final Four there or going to the women's tournament, but she... Don't you think they should move the women's tournament around so more people watch it? Like, it's kind of on the back burner. Yeah, like, Stanford, what... they beat Texas last night. Now they play the winner of UConn, NC State, uh, South yeah. Carolina. They play the winner of Michigan-Louisville today, and nobody knows about it. Like, everyone kind of forgets about it. Yeah, I don't know why uh, they run it right up against the men. No, they got to move it around at least it's, like a month early or something. It's funny. I offended Claire when I'm lining up the interview because I said to her, she goes, I just word of the wise ballsy when you're talking to me tonight, I don't know too much about the women's. I said, I don't care about the women's. And she's like, pardon? And she was serious. It's like, yeah. no, 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 that's not what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. I care about it. Like, I talk about it. But let's be honest here. Our listeners barely care about the March Madness tournament. I just want to get her taking what it's like to be there, because it is a spectacle. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like absolutely. The, the men's tournament is what one they make $1.2 billion on this tournament. And we're talking about future NBA players. Like, basically, the whole Duke roster is going to be in the NBA next year. Yeah, and four, they've got four guys that'll be starters, and one guy is probably going to be a late second-round pick. So you're yep. absolutely right. Generally, this tournament, you'll get uh, a 15 win a couple of rounds, not three, like not get to the Elite Eight. That's great for St. Peter's. But if you're going to win the championship, it generally is what I just talked about. It's... Uh, Villanova, Duke, Kansas, North Carolina, your solid schools that have mm-hmm. NBA guys, a chance to go to the NBA and have good coaching. So Coach K's got a good chance to go out. But I'll tell you what, North Carolina, Kansas, Villanova, would they love to be that uh, team to end Coach K? Because like I said last week, it's one of one. You're the last coach to beat uh, Coach K. Nobody's beating them. The players ain't going to let it happen. I don't think so. I think they're playing for them. Hey, when we come back, we're going to stick with some local hoops and head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with Isaac Simon. He is the star player for the provincial champion Harvest City Reapers. This is the Sports Cage on this Monday on 620 CKRM. And welcome back to the Sports Cage. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, and we should give them their shout-out. Dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Before we get to our next guest here, Zinger, I do want to bring this up. I was remiss in not mentioning it. We have our Tournament of Awesome bracket continuing today. Oh, yeah. First question of the day, Zinger, and you can weigh in. Hockey or chicken wings? What goes on to the next round? Um, Hockey or chicken wings? Chicken wings goes to the next round. You, you live in Canada. 
You give me this eight-minute diatribe about soccer, and you blow hockey out for chicken wings? Hey, I'm gonna. Uh, it's no secret that Zinger is not the hugest hockey fan in the world. Well, you cheer for the Canadians. Uh, I get I, it. I, I I love hockey. Like I love hockey. I love sports. I yeah. love hockey. Yeah. Okay. But I love chicken wings, and hockey is not a top three sport for me. Okay. I, so I'll buy chicken that. wings is going on. Baby. So which chicken wings? Uh. uh Anyone. Just put it in front of me. <laughs> Don't matter. <laughs> oh, you are a beauty. Okay, let's set out the Western Pizza Hotline. By the way, you can text us 936-6262. Zinger is going to take a texter by the end of the show, and we'll give you a nice sports cage hat. That's what we're going to do, okay? So 936-6262, weigh in. Chicken wings or hockey? That's our first question. We got two more. Let's go to the hotline say hi to... Uh, Isaac Simon. Isaac, before we get to your outstanding weekend, uh, we're doing a Tournament of Awesome. Runs up against March Madness. It's like 64 awesome things that I picked. Hockey or chicken wings? Isaac, what's going to the next round? Uh, I'm a chicken wing guy myself. <laughs> yeah, you're a chicken wing guy? Yeah, I kind of figured so. So uh, what's your favorite chicken wing? Uh, I think I have to go honey garlic. Honey garlic. There's one. I don't hate it. I don't like it. They're the Buffalo Sabres of chicken wings for me, the the honey garlic. Like, I'm a real passionate about lemon pepper. Like, that's my, uh, those are my L.A. Lakers of chicken wings. Who's your favorite NBA team? Uh, I'm a Raptors guy. You're a Raptors guy. The home team. You're the yeah. home team, yeah, okay. Who's your favorite player in the NBA? Ooh, uh... Recently, it's been John Morant. I think he's yeah, he's good. Pretty outstanding to watch. So. Yeah, he could be the next face. He could be the next face of the NBA. But who would like who would be a poster on your wall? Kind of growing up. Uh, Steph. I've loved Steph since I was a kid. Yeah, I grew up watching him. So me and my brother have always looked up and watched him growing yeah. up. So now you're taller than your brother. How much do you look up to your brother, Atlee Simon? Oh, a lot. I mean, I grew up watching him play sports. So. Um, I've always just been around him and watched watched him play, so um, he's always been kind of a, a role model to me in that sense. Who's um who's the better athlete in the Simon household? Your dad, your dad, you or Atley? I guess, I think I gotta say me. Just, uh-huh. just that's just self self confidence. No, but Atley's all of everyone's really talented in my family. Atley's had a great career in both basketball and football, but. Uh, I gotta stick with myself. So I always good. I think uh, Atley would stick with you too. He was uh, he was pretty pumped uh, that you had the season that you did, and he was happy to coach you. What's it like having your brother coach you? I know it's not the first time. Uh, can you separate coach from brother? Yeah, I can. I mean, Atley's always been, um, you know, a very big supporter of me. He's always been my biggest critic and biggest supporter at the same time, um, and. He's always been kind of like a coach to me. He's always watched all my games and always given me uh, things that I can get better at. And as a coach, um, he's helped me take my games to the next level this past season. And you know, I've been grateful for that. Yeah, your brother uh, was quoted as saying, we've been working a long time, me and Isaac, for this. A lot of late-night shooting in the uh, driveway and at school. Just kind of expand on that from your vantage point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Atlee's always been that guy. If I need someone to come rebound with me or if I want to, get shots up in the morning he's been more than willing to you know wake up at six in the morning and meet me at the gym um you know i'm very grateful to have someone in my life that's uh committed to helping me get better 
So talk about uh, the the championship game. You scored a game high thirty four points. How did that game look through your eyes? It was really fun. You know, I, I've always wanted to play in a provincial final and um, to play in that kind of environment with you know such a great team and um, to be able to go go out and get the the win is it was a really special night. What was it like? What's it like playing uh, playing basketball over at that school? I went to high school there. Believe it or not, not at that school. It was a different school back then. But what's it like in that uh, uh, you know uh, kind of quaint, intimate setting there? The Miller, yeah, he definitely gave it a, a high school environment because usually provincials is at the U of R. So having a little bit of a smaller gym, you could really t- see how many people were there and. You know, it was a lot louder, so it was no. really fun. Yeah, no, I like Miller. No, where I was going with this, I went to school at your school before it was your school. It's like a smaller oh. school. What's it like? It was McGuigan then. What was it like? What's it like playing at that small facility and just with the with the whole? It kind of has a collegiate feel to it with the whole school behind you. Oh yeah, it does. I love I love Harvest City. I love the building. Um, I mean, I've been there for all my education, so it, it's, I know nothing else really. Um, has always been kind of my second home, so I love it there. You were a heck of a football player too in Regina Minor football. What uh, you know? At the end of the day, why did you choose basketball over football? I think you made the right decision, but what was what was the the main reason behind that? I don't know. It's uh, I think I just have a more of a love for basketball. I loved playing football. I mean, both my dad and my brother um, played it, and all the way up to university and. Um, it was a hard decision, but I think I chose to focus on basketball just because that's what I wanted to pursue going forward. And I do miss football, but I think I made the right decision. Yeah, you did. So what's uh, what's on the docket now in terms of Isaac Simon and your future with basketball? Is it north? You know, is it up here in Canada? Is it south of the border? Because I know you've been getting a lot of interest. Yeah, I haven't quite decided yet. Um, I'm just kind of weighing things out all my options and. Um, the right opportunity will come and once that does happen then I think I'll commit but right now I haven't decided where I'm going yet do you sit with your uh do you, do you lean on your brother once again when you're sitting and uh, looking at all these options uh, obviously your family's big big in your life so your dad mom gonna factor in but what about you know will you lean on your brother once again oh for sure because Ali has been through the recruitment process and he has a lot of good insight and advice so if I'm ever struggling with anything or unsure about something I'll I'll run it through him, Neil. All right. Something good to say to me. All right, man. Well, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Congratulations on the Provincial Championship and on being the most talented athlete in the Simon household. You can tell Atley I said that. <laughs> appreciate it. Thank thanks. You. That's uh, Isaac Simon of the Harvest City uh Academy Reapers as they come up, Christian Academy Reapers, they come up with the 5A Provincial Boys Championship. When we come back, it's a pick six with our friend Don Hewitt, the professor. Six riders, six great riders not named Cody Fajardo in order from Don Hewitt. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for our Sports Cage clutch performance just ahead of Don Hewitt. Canada celebrated the sport of soccer yesterday as the Canadian men won qualification to the 2022 World Cup in Cutter, they did it in style, hammering an outmatched Jamaican side 4-0 on a frigid BMO field to improve their CONCACAF qualifying record to 14-1-4 over three rounds and end a 36-year drought from the men's soccer showcase. Here's how it sounded on the frigid field.
going to the World Cup. Yeah, so there you go. They go to the World Cup, and we'll find out Friday, as our producer Sean Kleisinger said. They have the uh, draw Friday. See what uh, pod they're in and how that goes. Hopefully they get like... Um, could we get like... Uh, who'd be a really crappy soccer uh, See, I don't even know. Uh, I can't even begin to tell you. Estonia. Okay. Like, like we that. we need the weakest pool. Can they just break us in? Can they just break us in? Yeah. That's all we want. We don't want to be out that early. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, by the way, is it is it appropriate to say that uh, Canada will Smith Jamaica yesterday? <laughs> did you see that smack? Yes, oh, I uh, did. Now, let me ask you, Zinger, before yes, we get to Don Hewitt, was that rigged or was that an actual thing? No, I think I think it I think it's real. Uh, I was questioning it at first, but then when you see Will Smith sit down after he mm-hmm. he swats him in the face, I think it's hard to argue that that's not real. I think the I think the most funny part of it though, not saying I'm for what Will Smith did or anything ballsy, but the part that was uh, beeped out was when Chris Rock said Will Smith just beat. Slap the beep out of me. Slap the beep out of me. Like, that part was like... (laughs) Yeah, well, let's get the professor. The professor breaks down game tape. Let's get the professor's uh, call. Don, now, I know you're not a social media guy. You don't strike me as watching the Oscars, so maybe you've never... You haven't seen this, which would shock me and not shock me at the same time. Did you see Will Smith smack the taste out of Chris Rock's mouth? I watch the Oscars every single year because I'm a movie buff. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. It was a really good show compared to the last... uh, yeah, and it was a great show. Be- it was a great show because Will Smith went up there, and that dude should have got two Oscars because that was rigged. He smacked him in the face. If he actually, if if Rock wasn't ready for it, he would have stumbled back. He didn't stumble back. He just turned, smiled, and when you see Will Smith turn, and I watched it many times, he kind of has that. Like, he's kind of got that little bit of a smirk on his face, and then he sits back and he goes into his old acting role. To get my wife's mouth out of, get my wife's name out of your bleeping mouth. I think it was rigged. I think we all got duped. What do you think, Don? Well, if it was rigged, uh, I mean, uh, it wasn't, uh, it didn't work because, I mean, the LAPD just announcing this morning that Chris Rock would uh, not press charges i don't think the lapd makes releases about about uh, fake sort of events uh, i mean uh, basically now the academy was was saying they were going to kick him right out of the uh, of the auditorium but they didn't, they couldn't get together because they're all sitting in different places uh, around the auditorium in different seats so they're trying to do damage control so to me it, it I will have to disagree with you. I think it was real. I think it really happened. Uh, I mean, initially, it was shocking, but uh, you start watching and you go, I think that happened. Well, they're not kicking him out, Don, because they know he's winning the award for King Richard. They know he's getting the award for Best... male uh, actor in, an, in, a, in a movie. He's getting the Oscar, so they're not going to kick out the guy that's going to get the award. That that for sure's happened. So they didn't know he was going to slap him, but Chris Rock and, and Will Smith, they rigged this thing, man. That's like, that's like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air smacking DJ Jazzy Jeff. That was, oh, that was a great job by Will Smith. He should have got two Oscars. Outstanding effort there, and Chris Rock did a great job, too, because if I if I'm to buy what you're selling, Huey, and uh, all of a sudden that that was actually happening, then Chris Rock handled it very well. He stumbled initially, and then he just 
He just kept going, which I thought was, uh, I would have been stunned if that happened to me. I'll tell you what, I made fun of Tim Hunt. I made fun of Tim Hunter's nose at a Bethune banquet. I don't know if you know Tim Hunter's wrecked a few noses. Like he could, yeah. <laughs> he could have easily come up on the stage because he wasn't a guest. He could have easily come up on the stage and did me dirty, but he didn't. So when I see something like that, at least I want to believe it was rigged, so that a little old puny ballsy when he's doing a dinner in like uh, stout and can spout off like he likes to do, and then there you go. Okay, Don. Well, you're right though. He did. He did. The, he, he smirked. Yep. After he hit him, yeah, and uh, when the joke was being told, they they cut to him and his wife, and he was laughing. He was laughing. And you do you do have some arguments there. Yeah, he was well, laughing. I, I'm going for that it was for real, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm 100 sure. I, I don't know. I don't think anybody is, and in, in today's tinfoil hat world, I can be a conspiracy <laughs> theorist. So I think that it was rigged, and I think that uh, we should have a convoy to uh, protest it. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Will Smith, yeah. he's just on this pursuit of happiness. Yeah, yes. Okay, so Don, let's get to the pick six. And before we do that, i got to ask you this. Uh, chicken wings or hockey, what goes on to the next round in our Tournament of Awesome? Like Zinger, you're a Habs fan. So one of these has to go to the next round. Is it hockey or chicken wings? Uh, right now, when I when I try to put on my pants, I better stay away from chicken wings. Okay, they seem very tight. I like that. Okay, I like but that. I, I'm, but I'm looking forward to the hockey playoffs, despite the abs not being in it. Yeah, playoffs. but yeah. I think that there's going to be some very interesting storylines and, and stories in the playoffs. And I know you're a big Oilers fan. Well, who do you cheer for, Zinger? Zinger cheers for the Habs. Yep. He cheers for oh, that. Yeah, that's right. But he's a big. But but where I'm go, where I'm going with this professor is he's a big. He he went on a five minute diatribe about soccer, and then he picked chicken wings over hockey. Don, are you a big soccer fan? Is this run by Canada making you a big soccer fan? If you're not, I am a big soccer fan, and it's because uh, when my kids started playing soccer, my two sons when they were younger. I didn't think anything of the sport, really. And then when I went through the years with them watching the soccer, I really became a big fan of the game. And I was watching yesterday, and I was thrilled. They make the World Cup here in Canada. Italy did not make the World Cup. What? That's nuts. Canada's in the World Cup. Italy's out. It's uh, it's, it's a fabulous game. They call it the, the you know the, the beautiful game mm. uh, for a reason. It's the by far the most popular sport in the world. The World Cup dwarfs the Super Bowl. It just dwarfs it. I know. I know. I know. I, I know the magnitude. I know the magnitude. Everybody plays it across the world. I get it. I, I'm not disputing that. I'm not disputing. Right. You have to have talent to play it. But Don, why do they call it the beautiful game? Like seriously, what makes it beautiful in your eyes? Uh, well, I just, I just think it, you know, it's uh, the skill levels and 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 just the enjoyable enjoying watching it is makes it beautiful i mean uh, you know i had to think of the cfl when i was watching that game yesterday at bmo field that that joint was hopping they were singing and mm -hmm. throughout the whole game and it was all full of young people 
But that's oh, where I'm going with this. That's where I'm going with this. That's where I'm going with this. You are you you're my dry sidle or you're my McDavid, I'm your dry sidle. We're on the same page. That's why I like working with you. So I was thinking the same thing. It's jam-packed. The Argos have never been jam-packed, and you cannot tell me. Now you can't compare that to an Argos game because it's apples and oranges. That's a national historic yeah. event. The Argos aren't on a weekly basis. But you cannot tell me that the Argos worst game this year was less exciting than what you watched yesterday. You cannot tell me that. So why? How the heck can they have so many fans in there? Now, I know there's new Canadians and there's that type of aspect, but you're come on, man. You can't tell me the CFL is more boring than that. No, I agree. I completely agree with you 100%. I mean, there were some great Argonaut games uh, this season. They had a good year. And it's, it's a tragedy. It's an absolute tragedy that there's not more people going to their football games. And let's hope that, uh, you know, with this genius sports and things like that, they can start getting younger people in Toronto interested. Uh, I don't get it. In terms of the product on the field, I don't understand it either, Ballsy. So we're on the same page. Uh, I think people are very influenced uh, nowadays, uh, you know, by global events. Uh, I mean, the, the Internet and has opened up the world to every person pretty much and and it's sort of like this you know it is the biggest event in the world as we just said the world cup and and people are impressed impressed by that because you know we see you know we are so open to the world and more so than in the past but to be honest you know you see that crowd you see the crowds in edmonton with you know commonwealth packed to the raptors for a couple of games in very cold weather you know, you're sort of you, you do think of the CFL right away, mm-hmm. and uh, you you wonder, well, where did all these soccer fans come from? The fact is, is soccer I don't think is is as big in Saskatchewan as in some of these other provinces. Yeah, I get that. I, I get that absolutely. Uh, but what I'm ter- what I'm trying to put my brain around or wrap my brain around is. How do we have 29,000 fans screaming and cheering? Like, do they have tailgate there and then they go in? Like, I know tailgating was talked about. That's going to really turn things around for the Argos. And the tailgating actually early on, from what I'm told, was pretty good there at BMO Field for Argos games. But then nobody went inside the stadium. Like, I don't understand what the appeal is. Guys run back and forth. Yeah, they got four goals yesterday, but usually it's 1-0 or 2-1. Yes, they sing back and forth. There's cheering and chanting. I get it. But how do we get that? How do we get them to stay for our sporting event? Like, make a party and have them stay, because our product is way better than what I watched there yesterday. Well, I think one of the the big factors is the, the player recognition, the CFL player recognition. And people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and Randy Ambrosi has talked about this before, the commissioner, you know, people sort of understanding what great athletes uh, these CFL players are because these CFL players are every bit as good an athlete as any of the soccer players you saw yesterday. I will say that for sure. A million percent. They are unbelievable athletes, and nobody seems to be understanding that uh, in terms of how good they are. And a lot of uh, players are... Are built for the CFL, and, and uh, they, you know, there's NFL players that are not built for the CFL, and they wouldn't come up here and do as well. We've got great athletes. I mean, that's one of the things about living in a in a place like Saskatchewan and Regina. We're in a smaller area, smaller city. We can watch world class athletes at Mosaic Stadium, you know, at you know, twenty times or ten times a year, 
And uh, it, it's just sad. They've got to get this message out about what great athletes they are, and they've got to get more recognition and start selling the players more. You and I knew this already, Don, but the commissioner, he was with us a couple weeks ago, and he said, hey, there's going to be no... Uh... There's going to be no, you know, four downs not even on the table. He definitively came out and said that. And I was kind of thinking about this. Why wouldn't he definitively come out and say that? He was really smart. He was really smart because I do believe there's an appetite for four down football in some of the centers, probably Vancouver, probably Toronto, probably Montreal. There might even be one or two others. Okay. He can't, he can't come out and say, nope, we're not having, we're not having a, a four down football because then you'll go back to the boardroom, and the boardroom guys will be like, well, you can't do that. we got to vote on this. You can't just come out and tell us that we can't play four-down football. Who are you? You're employed by us. So he's in a tough spot there, number one. Number yeah. two, he did a very smart thing. He took it to his... He took it to his football people. They kicked it around. The football people say, no, we got to go three downs. And so then he goes back to his owners and said, hey, I talked to your people, the football people. They said three downs, so we're staying with three downs. So I think he handled it well, but he comes out and says, uh, says it. It's nice to put that to bed. Well, I think the marketing people in the league, you know, that work underneath Randy were, were probably gauging uh, sort of the reactions to a possible four-down league and, it took them a while to, you know, to get all the stats and all the facts and all the figures. And at the end of the day, they realized, oh, we got to be careful. There's a whole pile of people that do not want four-down football. We have to tread very carefully and softly. That's probably what the process that was going on at the time when he really wouldn't say anything about it, uh, which does uh, lead you to believe that it was being talked about. It has been discussed, but I think a lot of things are being discussed and talked about too, from soup to nuts. And they probably talked about 15 rule changes to get more offense into the game and probably three or four will actually you know actually come to fruition so you know i I don't think it's a that big of a deal that they talked about anything and everything but at the end of the day they probably you know didn't realize the backlash that that would occur in certain areas of this country but i agree i you know we're we're sort of a conservative cfl football fans here in the prairies but there's a demographic in vancouver and toronto perhaps montreal that just like why do you like soccer? Well, they they all they watch the NFL and they see four downs and they get influenced by those sort of things. And there may be uh, there may be arguments in some of those markets that some younger fans actually want four downs, whereas here they we're all dead against it. All right, this is the Professor Don here. We're going to take a break at a sports ticker, maybe get to a couple of texts on our awesome tournament, and. We're going to uh, get to Don Hewitt's uh, pick six here. The pick six with Ballsy and Don Hewitt. His six best riders not named Cody Fajardo. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's 449 with the sports ticker. After a 36-year absence from the Men's World Cup, Canada has finally made it back, securing a berth into the tournament. Defeating Jamaica 4-0 on Sunday at BMO Field in Toronto. We will find out who Canada will play at the World Cup this coming Friday when the group stage draw is made. March Madness men's Final Four is set. Villanova will take on Kansas. And for the first time in tournament history, Duke will match up versus North Carolina. Both games go this Saturday with the final one week from tonight. The sports tickers for Bronco Plumbing and Heating where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781. 
2090. Still to come, uh, come in the 5 o'clock hour, Coach Dickey, Glenn Suter, Claire Hanna, and then in the 6 o'clock hour, we'll hear from Arash Madani talking about soccer, and Nolan Cole will join us before the show wraps up. He's the voice of the Esteban Bruins to talk SJHL playoffs, but we're joined by our esteemed professor, Don Hewitt. Okay, Don, the pick six. Let's get to your six best Rough Riders heading into camp, not named Cody Fajardo. I don't know if you did him in order, but I'm just going to throw out there. Go with number six. Okay, well, I mean, I divided it up, actually, offense and defense. Okay. I picked three on each side. Which side would you like? Go D, to go D, go D. Go D, okay. Well, on defense, uh, really, uh, I would say, and I didn't really go one through six. I just thought these are the top six guys that I think are keys. Okay. Three on each side. Let, we got to start with Darnell Sankey, the Rough Riders' new middle linebacker. I think he will win the job. I think Larry Dean will be other places on the field. You know, he, to start with, you know, he leads the CFL in the regular season in 14 games in, in solo tackles with 97. You compare that to, say, a guy like Adam Big Hill of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. A lot of people feel he's the best uh, linebacker in the league. But guess what? In Also, on, in playing 14 games, he had 70 solo tackles, 27 behind Darnell Sankey. Now, you know, Sankey is 6'1", 245. And at 245, he's fast. He can really run. So he's one of these uh, unbelievable athletes. And at 245, he actually looks lean and he's quick. And there were times last season, I thought, where Darnell Sankey absolutely dominated football games. And I mean major domination. In fact, there was one game against Saskatchewan where I thought, oh, my gosh, the man is just unbelievable. He's a tackling machine. He goes sideline to sideline. He's going to be a major, major plus for the Saskatchewan defense. Okay, give me the next one, Don. Oh, uh, then I went to Derek Moncrief, of course, mm-hmm. 6'2", Uh Played for the Riders, of course, from 2017 to 2019. Inclusive, was a great player. But guess what? After being in the NFL with the Los Angeles Rams, he is even better. He's better than he was the first time when he was in Saskatchewan. I mean, he only played nine games for the Edmonton Elks. And in those nine games, he was their defensive player of the year. He had 23 tackles. He had four sacks. He wants to play in Saskatchewan. This is where he wanted to come. This is where his fiance is from. And uh, I see him as a, a dominant, dominant outside linebacker. And you put him and Sankey together with tights. And, oh, my goodness, they are going to create unbelievable havoc for the Saskatchewan defense, I believe. And, of course, you, you've all obviously got to go as the third guy in defense to A.C. Leonard. I mean, he only played 11 games, uh, of course, because of the problems that he had uh, there with taking a test, but he still led the league uh, with sacks uh, with 11, so he got a sack a game. Nobody else did that as well as he did in the entire league. He also had a pick. He had 41 tackles. And, you know, so if, if you think about how they, you know, want to open up the game uh, for the offense. Uh, maybe they're going to move the hash marks closer inside. Uh, well, what do you need? You need speed. You need guys that can cover uh, you know, a larger field, and A.C. Leonard is mm-hmm. the man. He's a freak athlete. Yeah, he is. He's an absolute freak athlete. Yeah, and uh, Swiss Army knife, signing. Swiss Swiss Army knife for that defense. I thought he should have been Defensive Player yeah. of the Year last year. Actually, I think the oh, only re- I think the only reason he didn't was because of his uh, his uh, failed or 
the, the skip drug test and and what happened there in the suspension uh yeah I, like purefoy was well, great but this guy wrecks game plans he wrecks game uh, plans we, that it was an incorrect decision that he was not the defensive player yeah of the year in defense so let's just call it what it is yeah. it was yeah. wrong but you know you take a look at the two guys we'll go to the offense now with the other three that i i thought of not named cody and uh, you know the two guys that that uh, the general manager jeremy o'day had to sign i thought uh, was A.C. Leonard, and now Duke Williams. Of course, we go to Duke Williams, the number one on the list over there at offense. And he's also got some traits, like I talked about in Sankey. He weighs 225, and he's deceivably fast for his size at 6'3", 225. You know, and I, you know, he uses that, that 225 and a, and a few juke moves to, to good effect because in four regular season games uh, with Saskatchewan, of course, he came later on in the season. He had 53 yak yards. So he's the type of guy that it ain't over once he catches the ball. Look out because, uh, you know, he's he's got uh, uncanny athletic ability for a man his size, and he can rumble down the field uh, uh, in, in, in surprisingly quickly. Mm-hmm. The West Final, you know, he was injured. He had several, you know, very bothersome injuries in that game. Broken hand. He played with a broken played. hand that nobody broken talked about. Hand. Yeah, he had a broken hand. Nobody talked when he was catching the ball. He finally had to, you know, come out of the game because he was in such pain. But 108 yards in receiving and a touchdown, uh, let's face it, that game goes down to the wire. It does not go down to the wire without Duke Williams. And so, you know, Jeremy O'Day signed A.C. Leonard and he signed Duke Williams. Uh, Lots of teams would have loved to have had those players on their squads. And the general manager definitely came through. Now, the next two players I'm going to mention is, is so key without the name Cody might surprise some people. But my number two man was Jamal Morrow because Jamal Morrow, you know, he's pretty solid, 5'8", 205, so we hope he can take the pounding inside. Right now, it's his job to lose as the starting tailback for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this year. He was a great player at Washington State. But, you know, in eight games, you think about what he did in eight games on special teams, over 900 yards in kickoff and punt returns, eight games. He's clocking along at more than 100 yards a game there. Yeah. And the thing that Saskatchewan did not have, and no knock on William Powell because he was still a pretty good running back, but the thing that they didn't have was the 20-yard runs, the 30-yard runs. Sometimes you'll get a 40-yard run off tackle or you, you sprint one up the middle. They just didn't have some of those longer runs you want one or two of those in a football game for any team that's going to go anywhere and they just they were just sort of five yards four yards in a pile of dust basically last year in terms of their running game they needed more, more dynamic sort of play uh, somebody that can can break uh, longer runs and that's jamal morrow he proved it uh, you know on special teams he proved that he can run through some pretty heavy traffic and find some light and find some daylight Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be a huge, huge key to the Saskatchewan offense and how he does. The third guy that I think is a huge key for the Saskatchewan offense is uh, the next Brendan Labatt. I mean, we're talking about, is Brendan Labatt coming back? Is he is he retiring? You know, I don't know if you know much about that right now, Balzi. No, I don't uh, know anything more, uh, no. I mean, he was, uh, you know, an absolutely fantastic rough rider, and we all hope he does come back and gets in the shape. We don't know whether he will, though. But Melford's Logan Furland, and as far as I understand, he did grade out number one, and the coaches graded him number one on the O-line. 
uh, last season. He's only 24 years of age. They've got him listed at 6'3", or rather 6'4", 300 pounds. I think he's probably probably up to 310. He's going to be stronger this year than he was last year because he's so young. And he's also got a year's experience. I personally feel that Logan Furlan can be a dominant guard in the CFL. Uh, in you know, I'm, I don't know if he'll be as good as Brendan Labatt, but I think he's going to be close to mm-hmm. Brendan Labatt at the end of the day. And I think he, he's a big key because obviously, you know, the, the offensive line has to improve and be better. And I'm pretty sure that Logan Furland will be better. Don, that was very articulate. That's why you're the professor. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you maybe later in the week. Okay, my friend? Yeah, yeah have a good show, Ballsy. You yeah. bet. I'll be listening. All right, that's Don Hewitt with a pick six. A.C. Leonard, Moncrief, Sankey, Williams, Morrow, and Furland. The six players he picked that are the best on the Riders roster, not named Cody Fajardo. We'll maybe pick the coach's brain on that list on the other side of 5 o'clock as Coach Dickey will join us. We'll also hear from Claire Hanna covering March Madness, that and much, much more. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And a good Monday to you. We're not done with the snow, apparently, listening to that forecast, but we're inside of two months away from CFL preseason football, so that... uh, Puts a smile on my face. All our guests uh, come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Uh, This uh, segment of the show is brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. And you can always text us, 936-6262. That's our text line, and it's powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership. My producer, Sean Kleisinger. Before we get to our next guest, the head coach of your Rough Riders, Craig Dickinson, uh, you got some texts on our uh, Tournament of Awesome there? Yes, sirree. This texter says, chicken wings all the way. The hotter, the better. Okay. Okay, I see you. And then we got uh, Andrew and Regina. He says... Guys, in multicultural cities like Toronto and Vancouver, teams that don't market to and educate newcomers about the CFL will continue to play in half-empty stadiums. He goes on to say, don't be so North American-minded. Soccer is an institution outside of North America, regardless of what you think about the entertainment value. Then he mm-hmm. ends up by saying, thanks for the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Thanks for the text, Andrew. Appreciate that. So I guess judging by the votes, Chicken Wings moves on to the next round. But Can we'll you ask, believe that? Wow. We'll ask Coach, though, one one question. Coach, uh, thanks for joining the show. We'll ask you this. Uh, we're doing a tournament of awesome like March Madness, uh, so we're putting awesome things against each other. Uh, hockey or Chicken Wings, what are you picking to go to the next round? Hockey or Chicken Wings? Yeah. Oh, hockey, I would take. He'd take hockey. The American takes hockey. He takes hockey, but chicken <laughs> chicken wings wins. Okay, second question, Coach. Video games or tacos? Video games tacos. or tacos? You could put, Michael, you could put anything up against video games, and I'd fix the other thing. I don't even play video games. Uh, you've so. never played video games in your life? I played maybe one or two times when I was just a little kid. It was Atari or... I don't know. Uh, in television? It was such an old, crappy video game yeah. system that it didn't do anything for me. So, 
I never got into video games. So I take food over video games anytime. Okay, that's good. And I've had lunch with you, so I know that. Zinger, uh, <laughs> Zinger, what are you taking, tacos or video games? Oh, I'm taking video games yeah. all day long. Your video game, Mad- Madden guy? Oh, yeah. Did you know in 2007 I was top 50 in the world for online gaming on Madden? Did you really? Know that? Yep. Really? Yep. 2007, yep. wow. I was, uh, I was in uh, grade 9. Uh, Dickie, what year were you? Was it 2001 you were with the Chargers? Uh, 2000 and 2001. Yeah. Okay. So, and with the Raiders, you were there when? 2010. So yeah, 10. So he would have been in a game. You could have looked up Craig Dickinson's face on that game. You never checked out Madden to check out your face in Raider colors or Charger colors? <laughs> nope. I never have. Oh, okay. Okay. So he just, he's a, he's a good guy. He reads books. He rides bikes. He doesn't play video games. He eats and coaches football. So there you go. 936-6262. Coaches weighed in. We're in a 1-1 tie right now. Video games and tacos. Okay, coach, you're, uh, you, you had the combine. Uh, you know, give us your synopsis of what, you know, meetings, what you saw on the field, that type of thing. Sure. Overall, you know, overall, I just, every time I come out of these, I really gain more and more respect for players and what they go through to try to play at the next level. I mean, we put them through the gauntlet in terms of drills and interviews and, uh, you know, um, testing. And, you know, every kid did the very best they could. And you could just see the effort and how important it was to them. So, you know, it, it was really nice to get out here, see the kids in person, get a chance to visit with them, see other coaches. It just felt like to me, we were getting back to normal. And, and again, the respect level I have for these guys that go through this just for the opportunity to, to be drafted and then get a chance to go through training camp and all the torture that that is again, it's just, it's just amazing to me. Coach, you're uh you know, part of it, a lot of a part of the week was meetings about the game and the rules and all that stuff. And some people, you know, I'm a nationalist. I'm Canadian. I love the Canadian Football League. I grew up with it. I know you're an American, but it's uh, it's near and dear to your heart. You uh, you respect the Canadian game. Uh, just take us behind the room. I don't want you. Know, you can't tell us about the rules discussed and all that stuff. I get it, but I just want you to talk to the fans about you know there's a bunch of these football guys chopping it up talk, excited exchanging ideas but there i would assume a level of respect for the quality of this league and the canadian football league absolutely and just know this the people that are behind those closed doors we're we're cfl lifers it, it's myself it's rick campbell it's dave dickinson it's john huffnagel you know it's paul la police uh, it's Danny Machochik and Hari Jones and Ryan Didwini. It's, it's it's guys that care about the CFL and have, have been in the CFL for a long time, you know, and don't plan on going anywhere. So, um, you know, when we start talking about possible tweaks to the game and possible ways to make the three-down game as good as it can be, trust me, it comes from a good place, from from the um, you know from people that have been in this game a long time really respect the game and all of all of what it means to be a Canadian Football League player and and we're trying our darndest to make it just a little more exciting and a little bit more uh, attractive to the younger fan because the data tells us we got to we got to grow the game and you grow the game through young fans and making it interesting for young people so that's that's where that motivation comes from a deep respect and love for the CFL game and, and a motivation to try to make it a little more interesting for the young kids. 
It's interesting, uh, Coach, because uh, you watched the soccer game yesterday, and the Ra- or the uh, Argos would absolutely kill for a crowd like that. It's freezing cold, twenty nine thousand there. There's singing, there's flags. Now I get it's apples and oranges. That's a national event, and we're talking about a weekly CFL game. But as I said earlier in the show to Don Hewitt, you can't tell me that the product, the CFL puts out in Toronto on a weekly basis there at BMO Field is less exciting than soccer. You can't, I I refuse to believe that. So how do we get that kind of excitement in our stadium? I know you're a football coach, but do you have any thoughts on that? We got to get, we got to make a party so they hang around and we, like our texter said coming into your interview, we got to educate these new fans and tell them, hey, this is a great game and this is what we got to do. Like, we got to market the Dickinsons, the brothers, the storyline. We got to, in my opinion, we got to, we got to market the, the, the athletes that people come to watch. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I also agree with you. It's apples and oranges a little bit. And that, it, you know, we play 18 games. We play. Oftentimes, at times, that's good for television, and maybe not as good for the fan. To be quite honest, that you know they, mm-hmm. we play late at night, we play during the week, um, and so I, I think I think, but I do think to your point there, Ballsy, there is a lot of things we can do to make it more enjoyable. And I think the the challenge we have is the football ops people is how can we make the product as exciting as possible? And then I think there's also a challenge in it. And a um, you know a mandate for the for the organizations themselves. Let's make the event more than just the game. Let's get something going on in the parking lot before the game, at halftime, and and after the game, so that people feel like the game is just one part of an exciting day of football or an exciting day of sports. Um, and I think soccer does that real well. I think the the NASCAR and the F1 sort of thing. That's why people go. It's not just for the race. It's for all that happens in addition to the race. The race is just kind of the thing in the middle where there's things going on all all along the perimeter that people enjoy being a part of. One thing I liked about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders coach Dickinson is that you guys didn't just plug three or four guys onto an offensive line. Like you went with a, a, a reworking of the uh, Canadian Air Force where you had some really good Canadian receivers. One of them leaves for the NFL. We had him on last week, Braden Lennius, but you got some other good ones in the fold there. Uh, so when you go to that combine, A, what you know, maybe what's the one or two areas of need you're looking at uh, on your football team as it relates to Canadians? And B, when you go there, after you're there this weekend, does your mindset change with what you saw? Did it change your uh, strategy going into the draft? Well, I think we always want to try to get as much as much depth as possible at the traditional Canadian spots where we want to dress Canadians, which is offensive line, receiver, free safety, um, those are the spots for the most part each year, year in, year out, we're going to want to try to play a, a good national. So um, we try to look at those spots first and foremost, but we're not, you know, it doesn't scare us away from a guy that, that we feel like is a real difference maker. Like if there's a pass rusher that happens to have a Canadian passport, but he is just phenomenal. You think he can help you on special teams. We'll go that way. But for the most part, we try to say, all right, who, Who's who's uh, in this drafted offensive line? How do we feel like they fit into our team? Are they are they a top level talent? Who who do we got at receiver? And there's some good receivers in this draft. Um, so we try to start there. But ultimately, if we've got good depth on our team, which we do, I, I believe have at, at Canadian positions. I think Jeremy's done a really nice job of giving us enough depth at the spots where we do anticipate starting a Canadian that we can 
possibly draft best available when it comes our turn to pick at seven. Uh, what about, I think of you talk about O line. I think of a guy like a Noah Zur. How did he look there? The big kid uh, from the Yorkton area playing for the U of S Huskies. He kind of shot up the prospect board as we got closer to the combine. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, he looked like he dropped some weight. Um, he did. I thought he did a nice job in one on ones. Testing was o- o- okay, but it wasn't bad. I mean, for a man his size, size looked strong. Um, one thing I really liked is he showed a little bit, of, a little bit of a mean streak in the one-on-ones. You know, jumped out there and stoned a couple of guys, and then, you know, you could see he was almost egging them on to go ahead and bring it, bring, bring a little more. That's not good enough, and I, I like that with an offensive lineman. You need a guy that's uh, a tough guy, strong guy, and a guy that's not afraid to get a little bit dirty. And I thought Noah did a nice job at the combine. He did nothing but help his stock, in my opinion. What a kid like Mackert. The, he's a smaller Canadian back, 5'10", 185, but he definitely uh, is elusive. He runs the ball hard. I, I, I wonder in blocking how he did. Uh, just your thoughts on a kid like that. did a nice job. Everything that you saw in film, you saw at the combine. He's, he's not tall, we know that, but uh, he's got explosiveness. He's strong. He did a nice job in pass pro. Um, he did. He did a good job at this combine. He's going to be playing somewhere. He, somebody's going to draft him. It might be us, for all I know. You know, he he does he does bring some good things. I think he could help you on special teams. Um, yeah, he he's a good football player, and and he interviews strongly as well. He, he cares about football, and he's going to do what he needs to do to be successful. How long do those interviews last? How long do you get with each kid? And did you have any that? Uh... That maybe talked their way out of your uh, good graces, for lack of a better way of putting it, or did everybody do pretty well? Everybody did well. You know, I had half of them. We interviewed every single kid here. We did did not interview the Saskatchewan kids, believe it or not, because we're going inter- to interview them at home. Mm-hmm. But we interviewed everybody else. You know, guys that we couldn't see uh, when we go back to to Regina. So um, we've had visits with the Saskatchewan kids, so we know we know they're good they're good kids and, and care about football, but. For the most part, everybody as a whole did a really nice job in the interviews. You only get 15 minutes with them to answer your questions, so you don't have a lot of time. Um, but we uh, we grade the interviews just like we do their uh, their testing and their on the field performance. So we give them a numerical number in terms of how we felt they did, and it's really just first impression and and uh, ask them a few key questions to try to give us a little insight in, into what they're thinking and. For the most part, these guys did a really nice job. You know, they wouldn't be here if they didn't love football. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, um, for sure. Yeah, For no. the most part, they all do really well. Coach Dickinson joined us here for a couple more minutes. We appreciate it. It's been a very busy week for him, uh, you know, and, you know, last week coming into today. Uh, as I look at it here, I see A.J. Hendy's back with the club. Uh, he left, it looked like maybe, maybe you could fill us in. The talk was, wasn't happy with his playing time. He leaves, he's back. Uh, just your thoughts on bringing him back. I actually was kind of surprised he's coming back. Yeah, well, you know, it was spurred by the fact that we lost, you know, we lost both our halfbacks just last year, and that's just part of football. You know, you're going to lose some some players. So we felt like let's bring a guy back that has experience. You know, out of training camp, AJ, he was at the top of our list mm-hmm. in terms of guys we felt really had good camps and guys we felt could help us. And then, it, honestly, the season got a little long for him. He he played the spring leagues, which was eight games also, so – you know, he gets into game 10, and he's already at 18 if you add the eight games he played in the spring with the spring league. So I think it was one of those things where we felt like A.J. deserves a second look. You know, if he wasn't a talented player, we wouldn't have done it, but he's got 
a lot of physical talents, and we feel like let's give him a fresh a fresh start, a clean slate, and uh, and see how he does. And um, he was also excited about that opportunity, so it ended up working out. Hey, uh, Coach, uh, had Don Hewitt on before you came on here, the professor, as I like to call him. He's very well-schooled when it comes to learning his Rough Rider stuff, and uh, we were both talking about one of the six guys not named Cody Fajardo that's important to this team. I just wanted your thoughts on Logan Furland. We talked Canadian offensive lineman. Talk to me about Logan Furland. Logan Furland would be one of those six real important guys, if you ask me. He, um, He's a real feel-good story. You know, and his story's still being written. He's, he's just getting started. But he's, you know, I don't know if people know. Most people do. He's a junior football player that played for the Thunder, and he'd come out and practice with us, and then he'd go back and practice with the Thunder, and mm-hmm. you know, he just he just worked and worked and worked, and eventually got himself in a position where um, got a chance to compete for a job, and he won it, and he never looked back. You know, so just a really a good young football player. You know, much in the mold of Dan Clark that started his career with the Thunder, and put in the work and, and, and paid the price to get a shot with the riders and he made the most of it. So we we're sure glad to have him. We think he's still got a lot of good football. We think he's just going to get better. Yeah. Okay. And I had Shaq Evans on the show last week and I asked uh, Shaq some tough questions. I said, did you ever think I, I was shocked that Shaq was back. I said it right to him. I thought after that West final wasn't targeted, didn't get any passes, ran a lot of routes, a third and three. We end up throwing it to Mitch Picton and, and he's the king of the slant. He being Shaq Evans didn't get the ball. I asked him if at any point after that game, he thought about leaving this team. He said for about two or three days he was pretty mad and he thought about it and that is a characteristic of his that he's working on anger management but then he thought you know what I like it here I like uh, what's going on here I like my teammates did you do you ever have a like did you have a tough conversation or a good sit down with Shaq Evans because he did seem to struggle with he was inconsistent he had a little bit of anger stuff going on during the year was that one where you kind of take that guy's side and uh, use your good Craig Dickinson people skills you know, I can't take credit for that. I, I didn't have a, uh, at least to my knowledge, I've always, you know, I always visit with the guys, but I didn't have a specific sit down heart to heart with him after the season. But I, I will say this: I think, I think Shaq really likes his coach Travis Moore. I think Shaq really respects the room in terms of Duke and Swerve and and the rest of those those receivers. And I think Shaq also has a good rapport with Cody. Whether he got that last ball thrown to him or not in the West final. I think I think he feels like he can count on Cody, and, and I think Cody feels like he can count on Shaq. So um, all those things put together, plus a little a little uh, chip on his shoulder in terms of I got, I've got something to prove this next year, which I think he feels like he does. Um, I think he felt like this is my best opportunity to, to have success and to come back. And so yeah. I feel like uh, he fits in real well with the work ethic ethic and what we're trying to do in the locker room in terms of working hard and, and putting in the preparation and I'm thrilled he decided to come back I think he's he's a writer and I think he looks good in the green and white lastly coach put a bow in this uh, uh talk we're talking about excitement everybody's like oh the NFL it's a quarterback receiver league now got to pay quarterbacks got to draft those receivers high pay those receivers big money as we've seen in the trades and everything but it's funny that's been here all along in the CFL it's a quarterback receiver league it's funny how uh everybody just think oh uh, this 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 NFL thing's really exciting we have to do a better job because we've got that right here and you guys have a nice setup there with your quarterback 
back. If you keep him upright, he gets back to what he was doing in 2019, I think, closer to that performance with that receiver room. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with a lot of what I've heard you say over the years, Michael, which is uh, all this great talk about the NFL, it's because they're looking more and more like our league. You know, they, they do the same things we do. They're starting to open up the game more. They're starting to allow receivers and quarterbacks to develop some of that chemistry. It's not just a ground-and-pound game. So, um, yeah, I think I think we're on the right track. And, you know, this last two weeks with Randy's road trip through Regina and, uh, and the Great Cup announcement and then this combine, I just think there's a lot of really positive, um, neat things going on in the CFL right now. And I think, you know, you got to almost throw that, that last year away. It was a shortened season coming off a pandemic. I think you're going to see a real exciting year this year, and I know all of us are really excited to get started. Coach, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. We'll chat with you soon, okay? You take care. We'll see you soon, Baldy. Yeah, that's Coach Craig Dickinson of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back, our Tournament of Awesome. Video games or tacos? Mike Texini says, video games. Scott is on tacos. Jeff and Bob also on tacos. So, tacos taking the lead, although Zinger is a big video games guy. I'm going to go tacos too. Nothing like tacos. I like video games. I play a lot of video games, or I did. About five years ago, I gave it up. I started it. I forget. I was a, I was the Chargers. I was playing a season all alone in my basement, and I'm like, I'm a 44-year-old dude <laughs> playing a season standing up like I wasn't even sitting in my chair I'm standing up and into the game that's what it's all about baby. yeah 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 it is if you're 30 zinger not if you're 45 and should be doing yard work so Come no on, so no get back on the sticks yeah, I guess I guess so. <laughs> so anyway we'll keep those texts coming 936-6262 in the running we've got a sports cage hat for you okay so we'll uh, give away a sports cage hat to one lucky winner tomorrow we'll have zinger eat some crackers uh, no wait I'm eating the crackers because you've refused now we're going to set yeah. the sports cage record for most crackers eaten in 30 seconds. And then I got to do an hour of the show after that. Because I'll tell you what, Zinger, jump on my back. I'll carry you to the finish line. Yeah, we'll see, man. Uh, You'll uh, be so dehydrated across the glass there. <laughs> Your eyeballs will be hanging yeah. out. Uh, Arash Madani joins us after six. I called an audible. Claire Hanna will join us uh, before the end of the show. We'll bump Nolan Cole, the SJHL voice of the Estevan Bruins, to tomorrow along with Logan Nyhoff, who was supposed to join us, but he decided to throw a team dinner for his teammates. He called the dinner. Oh, I so, see how well, it is. Well, he's got to do it because they got uh, they got nine games left. No, I'm saying I see how it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you meant you <laughs> no, meant. No, I meant it the other pick, way. Yeah. Listen, they picked food over us. No yeah. doubt, I'd pick food over us too. So we'll, we got a lot to get to. Glenn Suiters up next. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll head out in that Western Pizza Hotline when we come back. You're listening to the Sports Cage on this Monday on 6:20 CKRM. Yeah, they do, because we have all the best guests from coast to coast, and even further than that. When Glenn Suter joins us, the former rider, great safety, Plaza of Honor inductee, and lead football analyst in Canada, it's brought to you by Quality Tire with 10 locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. I'm Ballsy, my producer, Sean Kleisinger. Sean, our text line is brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, 936-6262. And Sean? Hello, Ballsy. What are we looking at for text? Tacos 
Or what was it again? Video games. Yep. Tacos or video games in our tournament of awesome. People are loving the tacos. Rhonda says tacos all day long. There ain't no doubt about it. And uh, an unnamed texter says tacos, not even a question. So it looks like tacos is uh, taking this one home. Okay. Balls. My Let's, video games are going to go in the they're gonna go closet in, or in the basement yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So we <laughs> had uh, we had uh, chicken wings take the first round. Tacos take the second round probably. So that's uh, it's a, it's a food kind of day. Uh Joining us now is Glenn Suter, as I said. So, Suits, have you ever slapped or been slapped like you saw last night at the Oscars when when Will Smith came up there and uh, smoked Chris Rock? Yeah, no, uh, that has never really happened, no. And Well, other than Ray Elgard and I getting in a scuff mm-hmm. about day three every training camp, but that was sort of an orchestrated... That was your fault. That was your fault. You orchestrated Always- that. Always my fault, and I was always on the ground looking up at Ray at the end of it. But um, you know what? I, I, I've never seen it. Um, you know, to me, the all this discussion on, you know, was it right, was it wrong, was it fake, was it not? It, I don't think for a second it was fake or orchestrated. No way. There's no way. Because let's take, let's take and add the, the testosterone in this conversation for a second. If you add the testosterone, then if you're Chris Rock... I'm coming out swinging. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't I don't turn the other cheek there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I you know, I don't think for a second he I thought he handled it very well to stay professional and kind of hang in there uh, after that incident. But to me, it, it got it got ugly when Will Smith won. And did you hear what he said in, in the exception speech? I kind of did. He was he, he started the blubber and then I got turned off. I'm I'm a, I'm a big Will Smith fan, but I just yeah I didn't really follow. Yeah, well, let, let, let me let me tell you what he said. Here's here's what he said, and I quote: "In this time in my life, in this moment, I am overwhelmed by what God is calling on me to do and be in this world." Unquote. And then he said something about protecting the actresses that played yeah, Venus I, and I heard Serena. That. Yeah, I heard that. And then, and then he came back and he said, I quote, and quote, I am being called on in my life to love people and to protect people and to be a river to my people. Unquote. I mean, if that's not a self-involved, like I'm sorry to Will Smith fans, but if yeah. that's not self-involved narcissism i'm not sure what is my people i'm a river to love and peace just ignore that i just slapped the guy because he told a joke you know i i uh i was i was shocked by it disappointed by it in a lot of ways um and if you put the testosterone back in and the male hormones, I I probably would have. There'd have been a brawl right there on the stage. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a good point. I was thinking about the best fights I've seen or or sports fights. It'd obviously be Gilbride and Buddy Ryan on the Houston Oilers sidelines that time in the middle of that Sunday night football game when they were just throwing haymakers at each other. Uh, there would have been uh, Latrell Sprewell and PJ Carlissimo went at it. Um, was there ever like was there ever really any heated confrontations on the side? I know in camp you said, but on the sidelines, was there ever anything like that? Uh, there was, yeah, there were heated discussions. I mean, there were times when we had to calm Bobby Jurison down, especially when we were chasing Doug Flutie around. He would <laughs> that would drive Bobby Jurison nuts. 
he called him a little rabbit. I won't I won't t- tell you the words he used before the, yeah. ra- the word rabbit. But um, you know, he he uh, yeah, the, you know, there was those kind of things. I th- I think the overall truth of the matter is that whether you're insulted or or whether you know someone says something you know that that frustrates you or makes you angry the reaction can't be to go and swing at them that that's sort of our you know our main point here and i know this will get debated in a thousand different ways but um you know i it's it's just uh it's shocking that that um i i guess what i i'm trying to get at is it's not even the act to me it's that will smith had a chance to say he was completely sore like he did apologize to the academy but he had a chance to say look i i lost my temper that that was the wrong reaction i'm gonna i'm gonna go and talk to chris rock and i'll get this straightened out i will go apologize personally to him i want to make this about the movie and he could have moved on from there i think you know the lesson here to me is is and i would tell my team you know this if i was coaching kids i would say the lesson is that it's not the act sometimes we do lose our temper and and make mistakes and make bad decisions it's what you do the moment after the act and how you and how you deal with it yeah no for sure glenn Suter joining us here for quality tire on the western pizza hotline you want to weigh in on anything he's saying or i'm saying you can always text us 936-6262 our text line brought to you by capital ford lincoln suits I watched that soccer game. I'm not a huge soccer fan. I try. I get the whole Canada. It's great we're going to the World Cup. But as I've said throughout this show, common theme, I refuse to believe that that, that soccer that I watched is more exciting than CFL football. Like, there, there, we should not count seats at BMO Field when the Argos play. Yes, like Coach Dickinson said a few minutes ago, it's apples and oranges. We play at times that aren't conducive maybe to people to come into games all the time. That type of thing. We have nine games they have won it's a national event the cfl is in a weekly national event with an argo game but glenn i refuse to believe that that product is more exciting than our cfl and i also refuse to believe it goes to something you said via text that i want to touch on here when the cfl has a down year it has one or two down years okay and we know why they had a down year nobody played for a year those guys i don't care what they were doing they weren't working out as hard as they would be if they were getting ready for a season with trainers and cfl personnel so we had a down year and everybody wants to there's nothing a matter with looking under the hood you always should in any business but every year it's like well we need to do this and why the rules suck and we we got to do this and we got to do that people don't look to make the nhl nets bigger nobody's saying they got to change the game of soccer which to me is like watching paint dry i don't understand why we pick on the cfl all the time well, that's that's the whole point, you know. I think that's what I've been trying to, uh, you know, discuss with fans and with people and and with league office members and and sometimes team members and and uh, you know presidents, general managers is is that, you know, we we really have to change our narrative. I mean, we we go through these cycles every off season of the NFL in Toronto is one, another league in the United States that's going to crush the CFL is two. And then this change to 12 or 11 men or, or four downs is, is three. And, and those three devaluing discussions and narratives are every single offseason. And, and just think about the last month. Had the commissioner said what he said in the Ottawa newspaper and what he said on your show too, Ballsy, that you know, he, the commissioner did say that they're not talking about this. 
So it was there, but the way he said it in the Ottawa article a couple of days ago, which was absolutely not, it's not happening. Had he had said that three weeks ago, we would have spent three weeks talking about the combine and talking about players and probably talking about the development of, of the possibility of a Canadian quarterback in Vancouver. Because the combine brings us back to the game and it brings us on the field. I noticed that right after uh, the commissioner made that statement in the Ottawa interview, and was and was so concise and and you know matter of fact about it that the moment after Twitter was full of combine information, not yeah should we go from four to three downs and people say well we don't market the players enough well what we do is we put you know we sort of self inflicted stab wounds here by by always allowing this narrative to drag down our league and devalue the league and the game itself. You know, and, and all of these discussions, I, I sh, you know, I, I've done some research. I talked to Steve Daniels, the stats man at the league office, and, and got some, some real facts and figures on it. You know that the CFL has outscored the NFL in average points per game every year from 2010 to 2019. And it's, it's really not even close. Like, it's, sometimes it's as much as 10 points more in average points per game. So the, the change, the reason for this entire debate, according to those that have created the debate, the, the reason for it has been that while the NFL outscored us, so therefore we've got a problem that we have to fix. Well, the NFL, when we were playing year after year from 2010 to 19, never outscored us, not even close to outscoring us. They were well below us and have been we're probably going back 20 30 years with one le- with with one less offensive down we have one less offensive down per per that's, per series. that's right and and this you know and this past season 21 they did outscore so you can't you can't if you if you're a proponent of this discussion from four to three downs you can't say that this is a trend uh, that goes back and is a problem for a long time because that's just not true. And if you just dismiss the whole pandemic, then you don't know the game well enough because uh, a missed season in two, in 2020 and then a very shortened training camp, what aspect of the game of football do you think that will hurt most when you don't, when you don't get reps with your unit? That's going to be, that's going to affect the offense. 10 times more than it will the defense. You know, the defense, you have an assignment. Yes, you have to play together, but you have an assignment, and then you fly to the football. Offense takes timing. It takes practice. It takes reps. So we miss a season in 2020. Hmm. We play a shortened season with basically no training camp or preseason in 21. And then our offense's scoring is down. Well, nobody should be surprised by that. Nobody. Well, you know what? That's a really good point. And it's actually, when I'm when I'm listening to you say that, I'm thinking of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and we just had them on. And you know what? Full transparency, par- transparency, get it out of my mouth. Coach and I are friends. Uh, uh, we are friends. I, I'm critical when I need to be. I've texted him. I texted him when the John Ryan thing went down. But to... 
When you think about that, man, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders got a new offensive coordinator in a pandemic. Cody couldn't work with Jason Moss as he normally would. And you'll say, well, those are two veteran guys. It shouldn't be that big a deal. It is a big deal. And then you begin training camp and not one, not two, not three, not four, but five guys go down with Achilles injuries. The Riders, every team gets hit by injuries, but the Riders were decimated and they still got to a whisker away of playing in a gray cup. I mean, we can't, we, we don't appreciate the job enough, I don't think, that Craig Dickinson and his staff did last year. Yeah, exactly. And, and the fact that the lack of reps, the lack of practicing together will affect the offense and football way more than it will the defense. I mean, it just, it's, it's about timing, it's about depth, it's about coordination of the quarterback's drop with the routes that are run. Uh, you know, it's 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 having the protection, your pass protection, in sync with that timing in the passing game and and in the running game. So it's, you know, I I it, those aren't excuses. And I'm just I'm going back to again facts here. All of this discussion for the last month and debate and angst has been sort of based on the NFL is scoring and and moving past us. Well, last year they did. For the first time ever, you know, the NFL has not averaged over 50 points per game in any of the last 12 years. And we've averaged in, in before the pandemic in the CFL in seven of 10 years, we've been over 50 points and two other years we've been at 49.2 and 49.5. So basically right at 50. So for nine of the 10 years, We've basically been at 50 points, and the NFL has not even touched that in 12 years. And all of this debate over the fact that, you know, we, we got outscored by the NFL. It just, it's, again, the comparison we don't, we have to stop making. And now the new narrative I've heard, and, and I'm going to throw this one at you, Ballsy, because I know it'll really make you angry, and so I'll get you fired up. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> is... The new narrative I'm hearing now is that of the 24 starters on offense and defense, of which seven have to be Canadian, that percentage, seven of 24, is the reason that scoring is down. Again, the narrative has now devalued one of the most important aspects of Canadian football, which is Canadian content. I I totally agree, man. Yeah, that is that is ridiculous. I I. Yeah, it makes me shake my head. I, I, I was so happy last year. It was a breath of fresh air to see the Riders not just plunk three or four guys in a certain spot and 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 move them around and, and let's see some talented receivers, i.e. Braden Lenius, who's Canadian, and then he finds a way to go try to earn bigger money in the United States. Not saying that, you know, not saying that he shouldn't he loves the CFL, but he hey, he's trying to make a big bank in the States, but it sure, was because he absolutely. got a cha- got a chance to play uh, a non traditional position or they were moving away from Canadian receivers in the league. Okay, before we go to break here, so this is what I wanted to ask you because you're there and I'm not. You're out in the Vancouver, I'm not. Um, what's the bigger talking point? Is it four downs among CFL fans or is it Nathan Rourke, a Canadian, might be a starting quarterback? It's There has not been any discussion about that I have heard in this city about four downs or three downs. None. Zero. So, Anyone, again, across the country, no matter what umbrella they stand under, that may be saying, you know, it's, it's a topic of discussion in Vancouver, that's just not factual. It's not true. Vancouver is not a city 
that would prefer to see four downs or whatever. There, there are a lot of Seahawk fans here, but they're, you know, under Bob Ackles, the BC Lions were doing just fine, doing fantastic. Yeah. And Amar, Amar Doman is the exact owner they need here. And, and I think he's going to turn around very quickly as far as attendance goes. But there is zero discussion about th- going to four downs in Vancouver. We are going to get to some uh, listener uh, emails, the ma- uh, the Monday mailbag for Glenn Suter coming up here after uh, the break and a sports ticker. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Five forty nine with the sports ticker. The Riders have signed American defensive back AJ Hendy. Hendy played fourteen games with the Rough Riders in twenty twenty one, making fourteen defensive tackles, seven special teams tackles, and one interception. And you see this Albert Pujols and the St. Louis Cardinals are finalizing a one year deal to bring the three time MVP back to St. Louis. Pujols began his career with the Cardinals back in two thousand one, and Albert says he will retire after the twenty twenty two season. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Sky joins us three times a week in the offseason. He is Glenn Suter. His spots are for quality tire. We've got some uh, emails and texts from listeners, Glenn. A couple carryovers from last week and a couple more because I had uh, put it out there that we'll ask you what they want. So here we go. Um what do you think, Glenn, when a guy like Henry Burris, who's here for a cup of coffee as an offensive assistant and then leaves right away, or Chris Jones bolts for the NFL and then leaves his high school high and dry? What do you think when coaches do that? Well, I, you know, I don't know the details on the leaving of the high school and if he's made commitments and, and things like that. I, I don't know the details there. But I, I, I would say that when players or coaches get an opportunity to make a whole lot of money, like life-changing money, let's be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you're talking about if you if you worked two years in the NFL as a player or coach or, or sometimes even having a radio show in New York City and you make, eight million dollars a year doing that i mean that's life-changing money and you, you only have to do it a couple of years to secure your family's uh you know future so i i, I never have a problem with it the other the other side of it and the other part of the narrative that gets lost is they're always going to be great ambassadors for canadian football when they're down there like a guy like henry burris i i saw some tweets that were quite hostile towards this decision that he had committed to bc and then decides to take the job in the NFL. Well, uh, you know, I have no problem with it, with it because the game is bigger than any one individual. So it's it doesn't matter who you are, Warren Moon, Doug Flutie, doesn't matter. If you go down and you get a chance to make life-changing money doing the same thing that you're doing in Canada when it comes to either coaching or playing the game of football, uh, you know, slightly different rules, but the sa- basic same thing, uh, and you can get two, three, four million dollars a year to do that and have life-changing money. Good for you. I'll cheer for you. I know you're going to be a great ambassador for the game down there. You know, every single American that has played up here, I, I have not talked to one that has anything really bad to say about Canadian football. That's the, that's the crazy thing about it, whether it be Keith Urban or Team McGraw or any athlete, Warren Moon, Doug Flutie, they are great ambassadors for Canadian football. They love it. They watch it all the time, and they love it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got I got to to meet Tim McGraw at a at, at a at a Country Thunder in Regina, and and back behind the he loved the ring. He wanted to try on my Grey Cup ring. Wow. He put it on, and he talked about the game and said how much he loved it. And then I think 
you know, Americans appreciate it. They love it. And somehow we we can't be okay. I, you know, there, there's a handful of people that don't. So to answer your question, I have, I have no problem with Henry going down there, trying to make some life-changing money. Good for him. And our game is bigger than any one individual. And, and they'll find a new coach in BC to fill in that void. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay, this one comes to us from uh, Doug. Glenn, can you give me some insight? I watched the CFL Combine this weekend on uh, the CFL website, and it was okay. But TSN has so many channels. Why can't we get the Combine on one of them, like the NFL does? That comes from Doug. So maybe you can give us some insight. Maybe you can't, but you could answer that better than I could. Well, yeah, Doug, I'm, I'm not in those meetings where they make decisions on budgets and things, but that's really, I would guess, what the what it comes down to. It's It's just budgets and cameras and... And what's required as far as money? You know, keep in mind that TSN pays probably. Well, I would think all in. We're we're way past just the rights fees. The rights fees at what are they? Fifty-five million a year for the league. Yeah. Um, as high as they've ever been in the history of the game, and and probably could go up in the next agreement, uh, which is five years from now. But. There's more money. I mean, production, salaries, all of that. It's probably $100 million a year is spent on televising all the Canadian Football League games, including the championship and everything. So, I mean, to to it's it's a budget. It's a budget decision, I'm sure. Okay, good. And, and we'd all love to see it. Yeah, and maybe it's a thing where somebody can work, for, uh, you know. You could get sponsors. They, they could work it out where we could somehow offset some of the costs, but that's a discussion for another time. Uh, Dean wants to know... Is there one player in the CFL for Glenn Suter that's must-watch TV? Well, I put Duke in that category. That's a good one. I, I love I love watching Cody. I just do. I mean, I I so admired the way Matt Dunigan played because I played against him. I always I always joked that I I once because Matt was so physical and attacked the hit rather than run away from it and. Uh, I, I want. I, I've often joked that I stopped Matt Dunnigan for a two-yard gain, and then I continued by saying, "Except for we were on our own one-yard line, that was the only problem with it." But um, he, because <laughs> he, because he's so physical. But he, uh, yeah, I, I love watching Cody. Uh, you know, I, I some of the young, the the small returners I think are are real exciting and unique to our game, and uh, I am going to be locked in. And I'm going to have to admit right now, so Ryder fans, be ready that you might see a little. I I try to always avoid any bias, but I, you might see a little bias because I'm really going to be cheering for Nathan Rourke in Vancouver. I oh, mean, yeah, you know, not to win games, but to win the job and be the the guy with the keys to the car and that and that offense. You won't be the only guy, man. Uh, okay, this one comes to us uh, from Ben. Ben wants to know who's a coordinator right now in the league that doesn't have a head coaching job, obviously, but should have a head coaching job in your mind, or you'd like to see have a head coaching job? You know, there's probably more. I'd have to, I'd have to go through the list again, but I, I think Mike Benavides should have a, get another shot mm-hmm. at, at being a head coach. I, I think he was in a real difficult situation when he was in Vancouver as the head coach, and, and Wally Buono was sort of, he, I, I think he was making a lot of decisions that made it very difficult, kind of micromanaging the team at the time and and uh and i and i say that because of just conversations with different players throughout that season not not in a bad way i mean obviously both were trying to win games 
and had the same goal in mind. But, um, you know, I, th- I think you have to give the coach the, the reins and, and then let him run his team the way he wants to. So I, I'd like to see Mike Benavides do it again. I, I wonder about Richie Hall, but sometimes when you're great at one thing, you just it, it, maybe it's best to stay in it, and he's just an absolute great coordinator. So... Mm-hmm. You know, I those are a couple that jump out of my off the top of my head. Buck, but how I'm about sure Buck, like how about a Buck Pierce and, or a Buck Pierce in Winnipeg? I mean, maybe he's a little bit early for him, but Buck Pierce is a guy that uh, you know I think he's done a pretty good job there since taking over that offense. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, I think there's been a real trend of late of coordinators that were former quarterbacks being sort of ideal for the job. Although, you know, I, I've, I've been a, a strong proponent of. Your head coach he, he can be he's he's got to deal with and and manage the quarterback differently and empower the quarterback, but I also think it's it's healthy to have a sort of a guy in between the head coach and the quarterback, a coordinator or a quarterback coach mm-hmm. that played the position that can can be that guy that go between. So when the quarterback is getting frustrated, he can go to that guy before getting into that back and forth with the head man. I, yeah. I, I think that's valuable yeah. on a lot of teams. That's a good point because Daring Durant told me many times that great cup year, Kahari Jones was uh, a real good buffer and was really awesome to have around and was a, a you know a big part of his success in that uh, big playoff run to win the great cup. Glenn, thanks for this. We'll uh, get you on the line tomorrow again, okay? Okay, sounds good, Baldy. Talk, talk to you later. Awesome. Glenn Suter didn't get to a couple of questions for Suits either. Here's one from Jake. Jake wanted to know who has the louder fans, Winnipeg or Saskatchewan. So we'll ask him that tomorrow. It's going to be great. When we come back, we'll hear from Arash Madani and also Claire Hanna. By the way, our next, our next bracket in the Tournament of Awesome, chocolate or puppies? Chocolate or puppies? 936-6262, the number to text. Zinger will pick one texter to win a sports cage hat. Quickly, Zinger, chocolates or puppies? You already know. Puppies, puppies baby. Yeah. I'm going puppies, too. I'm diabetic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you eat dogs, your blood sugar won't shoot up. <laughs> I don't eat dogs. Sickle. <laughs> I love dogs. <laughs> Anyways, when we come back, we'll more of the sports cage after this. And it's time now to keep the show rolling on this Monday, and we wrap it up in fine style in this last half an hour. It's time to talk to Sportsnet's Arash Madani. He is everywhere. First off, let us I think it's appropriate that Canada wins, beats Jamaica on home turf, <laughs> on a frigid turf, because it sets up beautifully. I mean, so many of their wins came uh, against teams that aren't used to inclement weather, so I thought it was appropriate they won in Canada. Yeah, I mean, Balzi, at one point I looked around the stadium and it is absolutely jammed and it's all red and flags are waving and horns are blowing and the snow is falling. And I look up at the scoreboard and it's 4-0 Canada and a bunch of the alumni who had been through so much hell over these last 30 years are celebrating on the bench with the present day players and Canada's going to the World Cup for the first time since 1986. I mean, some of the scenes yesterday afternoon at BMO Field, um, I mean, it was truly storybook. We say that all the time, right? But that, that's exactly what it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, where does this rank for you covering all the many sports you do in terms of moments? Well, I don't think I've ever been at an event that was this surreal. Uh, the the closest m- actual snapshot moment 
was probably the Malcolm Butler interception. But just in terms of, like, I was five, six years old when Canada last played in the World Cup. And when you don't get there for 35, 36 years, you just, you're almost resigned to the fact, well, this is never going to happen. And now, Ballsy, they're starting a run where they're going to make it over and over again. They host in 26. You know, John Herdman, I interviewed him on the field afterwards, and he's right. He said, this is just the start. So to be there and witness it and see some of those old boys that I grew up watching, uh, some of the some of the players that I covered during all that, that hardship, it was Honestly, I, I would say that, you know, in terms of Canadian snapshot moments, Vancouver 2010, the Raptors winning it all, in terms of just galvanizing Canadians, and then yesterday. Yeah, that was a big one. Uh, Rash Madani joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. So, you know, Canada wins gold for the women in Tokyo. Uh, you've got this. You've got Alfonso Davies. You've got young people coming through the system. Uh, lots of good players over in Europe. We, we, we are a legitimate football country now, aren't we? We're a legitimate football country. And here's the other thing, Balls. You know what else we are? We're a legitimate tennis country, and we're a legitimate basketball country. No country other than the United States is represented with more players in the NBA than Canada. And you look at the last few Olympics, gold in track and field, gold in the decathlon, gold in swimming. We have become as diversified a sports country as we've ever been in the history of our country. And yes, hockey, hockey waves the flag and hockey is hockey in Canada. But what we're seeing is globally, Globally, our athletes are playing in professional leagues. You mentioned Davies, and they're all over the world now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brooke Henderson's winning majors in golf, and Bianca Andreescu's winning majors in, in tennis, and there's two Canadian men in the top ten in tennis, and Jamal Murray's one of the best players in the NBA. And on and on you can go and look and see what Canadians are doing. It's it's What a time to be alive if you're a Canadian sports fan. Well, and of course, let's not uh, forget that there are more Canadians playing NCAA football now. That's something that probably mm-hmm. 15 years ago we wouldn't have talked about, right? Well, it feels like every time you go to the Super Bowl now, there's more and more Canadians in the NFL, too. And, you know, we don't have to think that far back, Laurent Duvarnay-Tardif, a starter on the offensive line for Kansas City when they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago against San Francisco. Like, Laurent's blocking for Patrick Mahomes, you know what I mean? It, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really awesome. Uh, okay, so uh, you're now with the Blue Jays. What kind of storylines are you following here? Well, expectations, Balsy. I mean, the the... The Bodog line for wins this season is 91 and a half, and they came oh so close to the playoffs last year, losing out on the last day of the season. But Vlad's back, and Bo's back, and the pitching staff is there, so expectations is a big one. And tied into that is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I know, I know this sounds like very basic, but you're talking about the runner-up for AL MVP. He's in his early 20s. He's becoming the face of the franchise. He, him, along with your buddy Tatis, are, are among the two young phenom faces in all of Major League Baseball. How can Vlad follow up last year's spectacular season this year? So I think those are the two main ones, but I'm really intrigued in digging into this pitching staff. Can this pitching staff deliver for 162? That's that's really going to be the 
thing to watch as the season unfolds. Yeah, it's a good point. That's what I was thinking about, too. I'd never consider myself a baseball expert, certainly not in your category, but that's the thing I, you know, you always talk about it. You got to have quarterbacking, you got to have mm-hmm. goaltending, you got to have pitching. Pitching is the great equalizer. So if you're a betting man, and I don't know that you are, but what do you think? Do you think this pitching staff can hold up? Well, as long as they stay healthy, yes. I mean, look what they've done this offseason, Ballsy. Over two starting arms, they've invested a quarter of a billion dollars in Jose Barrios and Kevin Gosman. You know, they went out and traded for Barrios, for the line starter. I expect him to be the opening day arm for the Blue Jays. Kevin Gosman, who just was part of that San Francisco pitching staff that won 100-plus games, pitched in the AL East before with a big-time prospect for Baltimore. So they, they, it's not just lottery tickets. It's not just what if. The only question mark with this Blue Jays pitching staff is health. Can they stay healthy? I mean, you think of the year Alec Manoa had last year. You think they bring over Suzuki from, from Seattle. These are proven pitchers. But short and spring training, um, you know, expanded rosters for the first month of the season. I wouldn't expect the starters to go more than four or five innings in the first month of the season. If they can maintain those arms, watch out. So who is the AL MVP when it's all said and done at the end of the year? Let's get an early pred- let's get an early prediction, and then we'll go as the season goes along because we know it's going to be a, a long season as it always is. Who who's your AL MVP? I just can't see Otani doing it again. I can't see a dude who's going to be lights out on the mound and hitting forty home runs again. And maybe it's just because I'm around him every day. I see the work ethic every day. I'm just so amazed at the meteoric rise of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., at how mature of a baseball player he's become, how he's taking better care of himself, all of those things. You know, the tangible things you see every day, that, that you know, megawatt smile and the incredible swing. But more it's the behind the scenes, the guy who's putting in the work in the film room, who's in working on his body and the weights and the recovery, who's in the cage at the same time every day, building a game day routine and sticking to it. That really sticks out to me. Yeah. Okay. Lastly, uh, your buddy, Randy Ambrosi said, Hey, we're not going four downs. He definitively said Arash, we're not playing four down football. Your thoughts. Uh, well, it's, it's nice that he finally came around and said it, isn't it? Both <laughs> We've been waiting to hear that for quite some time. I'm wondering what the delay was. Um, look, Randy can say what he wants, and that's great that he did. They were having discussions about the idea of four-down football in 2023. They they had been talking about it. Mm -hmm. Now, if they've made the decision to not go down that road, great. Thrilled. I hope it's not semantics that they're saying, well, just not four-down football for this season. But Canadian football has to remain three downs. You know it. I know it. Everybody listening knows it. Moving to four will not improve the business side of the league and i hope they've understood that i asked arsenal this pierre arsenal the ceo he was on with me on friday uh, you know about aligning the vanier cup with the gray cup now there are some logistics like for instance this year in regina i don't know what hotel availability would be but i i know they're a little tight they have fatigue out east of hosting the vanier cup i would love to see a weekend where it's in saskatoon and then the gray cups the next day in regina you could certainly do that i i do think though it has to get back to a a, a canadian football celebration i agree and what you do is you make the Vanier Cup on Friday evening, mm-hmm. and whatever your Grey Cup ticket is, and they're getting more and more expensive every year, yeah. if it's a $425 ticket, 
It's a $450 package, including a Vanier Cup ticket. If you're willing to shell out 425 for a Grey Cup ticket, you'll probably pay 450 for a Vanier as well. And even if half the people show up, Balzi, that's probably triple the attendance of what we've seen from Vanier's the last few years. Yeah, good point. And you know what? That's generally, I mean, the Grey Cups are great, but uh, those Vanier Cups are underrated football games. Like, you could open sure open the eyes to new uh, to new uh, fans. Hey, Arash, thanks for this, man. I know you're busy. I appreciate it. We'll uh, stay in touch this week, okay? You got it, Ballsy. Thanks, pal. All right, here with Claire Hanna, our old friend from CTV. Uh, you're probably following her on the Insta. She's a great follow. You are a great follow on the Instas. And uh, I'm going to tell you, Claire <laughs> Hanna, I am very jealous. You've been covering March Madness. Tell me about that experience in general. Well, I didn't really know what to expect coming in. Um, my, I actually have been to a March Madness game back in 2019, Um my partner and I were in Portland, and we went to a women's elite eight game, and it was um, Oregon, like the Ducks in yep. Portland. Remember, um, they were facing Mississippi State, and it was unbelievable. But we went as fans, not really knowing what to expect, and so this time around, being in the media and getting to go behind the scenes and like seeing all the hullabaloo, it's it's been absolutely incredible. I don't know if there's a sporting event that I can compare this to. You know, you've got pet bands in the corner. You've got these crazy boosters behind you shouting at the refs the whole game. You know, it's it's been electric and really indescribable in terms of energy. Yeah, Claire Hannah, I, I know firsthand about U.S. college, and it is. Men's, women's, they love their sports down there. I've been watching both tournaments, both highly uh, competitive, great athletes, both men and women. Uh, just your thoughts on watching some of the games that you watch. I believe uh, Gonzaga and Arkansas, which was a huge upset. Oh my gosh, it's a massive upset. And we were really focused on that one because point guard Andrew Nebhardt, he's from Aurora, Ontario. He's been one of the stars of this tournament. He plays for Gonzaga, and he's been in the top 10 for assists. His like assist-to-turnover ratio is unbelievable. And he, he's just like an all-around stud. And so we, you know, we did a one-on-one with him before the game. And um, But I think it was a little bit of disbelief for them. I, I don't want to say they came in unprepared, but I think Arkansas and their head coach, Eric Musselman, went to work on game tape study. Like, he had played um, Andrew Nebhardt when Andrew was actually playing for the Florida Gators, and, um, and, and Eric Musselman was with um, Nevada, and he apparently went through all of his former game tape against Andrew Nebhardt. He didn't feel like they pressured them hard enough in previous years. And so the game plan was to shut him down, and he only scored seven points in that Sweet 16 game. But he, the, the worst thing is he couldn't even get the ball to his bigs up front. So that was um, that was just really fantastic coaching on Arkansas's part, and, and their defense was tremendous. And I just got to add in, Balzi, I am in a car, and I'm literally driving on the Golden Gate Bridge right now. Oh, that, <laughs> that is awesome. I've never been to that area. I saw you. Are you going wine tasting today? Um, I may or may not be. <laughs> well, you should. I'm not really... I'm not really going to be tasting much because I'm driving, but I figured I wanted to see some of my favorite, um, some of my favorite vineyards like Camus, yeah. and I wanted to um, maybe pick up a bottle of some unique stuff to bring 
back. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, Claire. Claire Hanna joining us here from TSN, our friend from CTV uh, in Regina. I've really noticed a confident Claire Hanna as a broadcaster now. I know you were a little bit greener. Well, no, I, I have. And, I've, you know, you and I did the sidelines together. You, uh, of course, uh, with TSN. But, you know, I, um, I've noticed a confident Claire Hanna. That when you go to an event like this, even I, who've been broadcasting for 25 years, would be like feeling I'm I've outkicked my coverage when when I'm at an event like this. But when you when you do a good job at an event like this, how much confidence does that give you? Well, I mean, I just try to treat it like anything else. Like maybe it's a Lagoda Suns game, you know. And um, you do your research ahead of time. You find out who the big players are. What are the important storylines? And so I just try not to overthink it. I, I think all sporting events have, have their typical things. Who's the underdog? Um, you know, what what's on the line for the coach? And then you just try to relay those stories. And I came in knowing a lot of the big storylines, but I have an amazing team of producers at TSN. And so that's been something that's been really helpful because I might go in with an idea and then I bounce it off my producers at TSN and they're like, oh yeah, we love that. That's so good. We didn't know about that before. Add that in. But then they might send me a message being like, oh my gosh, like, do you know this is the first time that UNC and Duke will ever be meeting in the tournament? Things like that. So it's honestly, I, I think it's a team effort and that gives you confidence when you just have a supportive group around you. Yeah, okay. Claire, uh, lastly, we've got our four teams left. Uh, who do you got winning the thing now? I know you're not in the predictions oh. business, but from what you've seen, oh. who do you got? Oh, man. I'm rooting, for, I, I'm, root, I'm, root, I'm rooting for Coach K, man. Those kids are playing hard okay. for the Duke coach. So, yeah, here's the thing. I, You know what? I feel like I've seen a lot of magical things happen here that I would have never expected and, and related to Duke. And they and UNC have never met in this. UNC upset Duke huge in their last regular home season game of the year, and it was kind of Coach K's farewell thing at Duke and Cameron. And I can't believe this matchup's happening because to me, I'm like, you know how badly Duke wants to get revenge for them spoiling that game. And and just the fact that it's, yeah, Coach K last year, I think I'm going to put my money in Duke. You know, it, it would just be the most storybook and possibly one of the worst yeah okay claire you're breaking up you're going over the bridge so i'll let you go just don't go in the water stay on the bridge okay <laughs> take care claire bye bye claire hannah joining us on the western pizza hotline so we uh, had a had a poll a couple of uh, audibles so tomorrow we'll have uh, nolan cole from the sjhl's estevan bruins on he's the voice of their hockey team they came up with an 8-1 win to eliminate notre dame all the first-round series in the SJHL are done except for Yorkton and Melfort. So that's going to be a big one. They're going to a Game 7. Flynn Flon won four in a row to knock out the Battlefords. Humboldt came back to knock out LaRange. And, of course, Estevan won. So that's interesting. I, I like the SJHL. That's where I got my broadcasting career started. Uh, there's some cr- pretty cool rinks. And when oh, the, it's a good league. Yeah, man. when the playoffs hit, a real rabid fan base. Some nice arenas, too. The brand-new one in Estevan. Weyburn's Crescent Point Place is nice. The new one in Melville. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's some good Let's ones. Go. Yeah, there's some good ones. Uh, the Regina Pats. Uh, Logan Nyhoff will join us tomorrow. He was supposed to join us today, but he had to pull the pin because he called the uh, team dinner, organized the team dinner. I think that's a pretty good job by the captain. Their team outplayed the um, 
Brandon Wheat Kings. Brandon Wheat Kings. I called that game on Access Now Sports on TV with Kelly Rempel. And they outplayed the Brandon Wheat yeah. Kings for the first 15 minutes. They're up one nothing, and then in about a minute and a half, they're down 3-1 and never could recover down 5-1. Now, it wasn't the goaltending's fault. They just uh, had so many breakdowns. Frustrating for them. I didn't see yesterday. Did you see Did Lethbridge beat Edmonton last night in the Western Hockey League? Because... They're figuring into the mix, too. Saskatoon and Moose Jaw clinch playoff spots, so they're probably going to meet in the first round. That'll be a nice little first-round matchup. Ooh, there's nothing like a good WHL playoff tilt, and we're just a couple days away here. I'm trying to find that score from yesterday. Yeah, I'm lo- I saw it. I'm looking here, and I'm trying to see, too. I should have looked that up. But uh, Lethbridge is in the mix, too, right? Because there's a bunch of teams battling. I know Sask- or, uh, Swift Current and PA, who are ahead of the Pats, they lost... Uh, the games on the Saturday. Lethbridge beat Edmonton 5-1 they yesterday. They did, they did. So that's not a good uh, thing for the Regina Pats. So they got some work to do. They've got four more games at home, five on the road, nine for the season. Yeah, so you look at the standings right now. Lethbridge is 58, Swift Current is 57, PA 53, Calgary uh, 52, Regina 51. So the Pats got a leapfrog. Yeah. They got their six points back of the Swift Current Broncos. So. The good thing about that, though, is the Broncos have 63 games played. The Pats only have 59, so they have a couple games in hand. So, therefore, they mm-hmm. have a couple games where they can make up ground on Swift Current here in the next uh, couple weeks. Love Nyhoff, though. He could be down to his last nine games. So we'll talk to the Pats captain about, uh, you know, trying to keep it together for nine games. But, like Zinger said, four-point games. We'll also be joined by Brett Lother tomorrow. Lother is, of course, from down east. And uh, we're having touchdown the Atlantic. Yeah, Let's having, go. We're having the an- announcement. It's going to be in Wolfville, Kadia University. So July 16th, I think it yeah, is. Argos. Like yeah, Argos are going to be playing in it again against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So we'll have all your information as it relates to that. We'll also have Glenn Suter on the show. Hopefully, we'll be joined by Luke Mulliner. And I think I'll try to squeeze Peter's puck in tomorrow, too. Yes. Peter Lou Bardius and the great Sean Kleisinger, who's going to put the podcast up after this show. As, uh, yeah, if you missed the show, we we had Isaac Simon on from Harvest City as they celebrated a provincial 5A basketball championship. We had uh, Glenn Suter on, Coach Dickey, Arash Madani, uh, Clara, Han- Claire Hanna from TSN, and Zinger. You got a you got the the text picked out yeah, there for man. the sports cage hat. Andrew and Regina, we're gonna hit you up for a sports cage uh, hat for your. Wonderful text uh, earlier on in the show. I love this text because I was actually thinking the exact same thing in my mind as far as the multi-culture uh, city, uh, cities like T.O. and Vancouver about yeah. you know how they don't market it enough. So, Andrew, we're going to reach out to you. we got a nice sports cage hat to give you. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for texting in today, my man. I appreciate that. Yeah, the text line is 936-6262. And on the text line, we got you to pick our Tournament of Awesome Brackets. Chicken Wings beats out hockey. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Tacos takes down video games. That's a shocker. That's like a 2 versus 15 right there. Yeah, That's uh, a... St. Peter's. Let's yeah, go St. Yeah, Peter's. Yeah. St. Peter's Chicken Wings. Chicken Wings over hockey. <laughs> Tacos beats video games. And the last one, Puppies. Narrowly, be- narrowly beating out chocolate. So Puppies, Tacos, Chicken Wings. On to the next round. We'll have more brackets in our Tournament of Awesome tomorrow. Maybe more chances for you to win. And... I'm going to try to set the sports cage record for eating crackers. Oh, yeah. I pulled out of the competition yeah, if you yeah. missed it from earlier. Yeah. I'm done. I uh, can't do it anymore. I don't want to stress about it tonight anymore. You're so. a weak snowflake. I'm a go. weak one. Why don't you, uh, you you stick around for Zinger at night, and then on the way home, go hug a tree or something. I will. I brought my pillows girl. in studio, so i got to lay down in between breaks because I'm 
you know, weak, I'm feeble, weak. I'm a weak feeble, boy. feeble. <laughs> anyway, this iron horse ballsy will be back tomorrow <laughs> in the chair. It's a sports cage for Saskatchewan lotteries on a Tuesday. Won't you join us? We'll talk to you later.